patient home. If you prefer to stay home and cuddle, Ping Pong is ready to join you on the couch. This lazy boy is looking for companionship. If you are too, come and meet Ping Pong. Your search for office supplies starts right here at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Hi, Kurt Smith here. We've stocked our office supply department with supplies that meet your everyday work challenges. Our online store at SheridanCommercial.com where you can explore and discover exclusive deals and compare prices with a few clicks. So whether you prefer the in-store experience at 303 Broadway or the digital office store at SheridanCommercial.com, the Sheridan Commercial Company and office supply store is your partner, open seven days a week. The Lyo Performing Arts and Education Center welcomes Grammy Award-winning artist Larry Mitchell and his band to the Lyo stage Friday, November 10th at 7 p.m. Larry has toured the world, playing with well-known artists Tracy Chapman, Billy Squire, and Rick Ocasek. Appearing with Larry will be Grammy Award winner Robert Mirabal. Tickets for Larry Mitchell with Robert Mirabal are available now at the Wyo Theater box office or online at wyotheater.com. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the YMCA youth programs are receiving these funds per random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Welcome to Public Pulse. This morning, I am joined by the chief of the Sheridan Police Department, Travis Koltiska, and captain of the force, Tom Ringley. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Floyd. Hi, Floyd. Now, uh, how was All Hallows' Eve last night? Everything go off without a hitch? Yeah, it was. We had, um, give a kudos to officers um, Fisher and Murray, who came in on their own time to hand out candy. There'll be a picture of that on our Facebook page shortly. Um but more importantly, it was safe. Um, we didn't, even um, from the Halloween weekend, which was last weekend, we didn't have any DUIs and very uh, few bar incidents. You know, it's the last time I worked on a Halloween, it seemed like people were using costumes to get away with some skullduggery, but <laughs> it was, um, a, a, everyone did a fantastic job this weekend and that followed through to last night. It, Distant driving from whatever I do at night back home, it seemed like all the kids were um, very visible, and the little ones were escorted by parents. So it, it looked like everyone did a great job. That's fantastic to hear, especially over the weekend. Uh, the that was going to be one of my questions. Did we see a rise? Was it the same or uh, lower? And it sounds like lower. Yeah, the, the weekend with no DUIs is what we want. That's, that's our goal: is <clears throat> absence of all crime and uh, violations, and that's what we. Generally got last weekend, so we're very happy about that. That is fantastic to hear. Now, Chief, did you get a lot of trick-or-treaters at the house? Uh, zero. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I live a little bit out of town, and if they, they were going to walk to my house, they'd have quite a <laughs> Okay. I did have some candy prepared, but no. No, no trick-or-treaters. <laughs> How about you, first Captain? In, oh, uh, go ahead. First time in 21 years I haven't taken any trick-or-treating either. So. Oh. Yeah, uh, kids are all aging out of it. So. Uh, Captain, did you get any trick-or-treaters? I don't know. I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last night I got my one trick-or-treater. I think this is the same kid who's been coming to the door. And uh, last night he looked to be about 12 or 13, so I think my one trick-or-treater is aging out. So Mm -hmm. next year my wife wants to put something together so we can go somewhere. And hand candy out, like one of those trunk or treats. Yeah, those are pretty good events. You know, those those started many, many years ago, and it's a really 
adds to the safety of Halloween. And I, I know we're very cognizant of that and very uh, aware of, you know, when it gets dark and kids aren't always watching across the street to do the traffic. You know, we, we preach and preach and preach to use caution and driving on Halloween night. Uh, I think I found that it seemed like there were more out earlier in the daylight hours trick-or-treating earlier, especially with it being a school night. But, yeah, as the captain said, it was I, I was out um, around 8.30, and there were, it was kind of wrapping up by about that time. So, And with those trunk-or-treats, I think a lot of kids get enough candy for a while that they, they don't feel the need to have to go door-to-door. Right. And uh, it kind of gives everyone an opportunity to come together as a community, have some fun, and make it like a big event. Uh, Not that trick-or-treating isn't, but you don't have to wait at home. You can go there, and I think that's great to do. Now, when it comes to utilizing modern technology to alert the public and open up the transparency of the department, uh, I know this was something that you really wanted to spearhead uh, when you became chief, sir. Uh, Do you feel that... uh, uh, the, the recent improvements to that have been two-year standard? Oh, yeah. I, I think we have improved greatly over the years. Um, you know, you think back to, to public information. Um, back when t- the captain and I first started, there was a maybe a maybe report weekly in the newspaper. Um, and we've slowly evolved as over time and as the, the, the need to provide more transparency and, and with technology – we're really trying to use every platform we can to just let the community know exactly what's going on at the police department. We don't have any secrets down there. You know, our, our, everything we, our activities and the things that we do, um, we more than happy to share with the public. Obviously there are certain investigations and certain, you know, when it comes to matters involving certain individuals or I should say juveniles or that there's, there's some information we can't release, but we really want to let the community know what's going on. In their in their town, this is their town. They have they need to know that. So, you know, we're taking the the, the um, activity that we encounter both on a weekly time frame, as well as on our um, our shift rotation schedule, which uh, um, you know our patrol teams rotate from day to night, night to days, every fifty six days, and so we're we're taking measurements of crime, um, traffic proactivity, all the different measurements and all everything that's happening in our community. And, and we, we complete, we always add, put these numbers together to just kind of get a, a snapshot of what's, what's occurring in the community. And in, and in that 56 day rotation, then we're brought, we're advertising that we're putting that up on our, on our website. So, and it, in addition, people can see what happens every day, you know, we have our daily activity summary, but putting that 56 day snapshot of, you know, what crimes have, have theft spiked, have they drawn down? We have, have, violent crimes, our alcohol and our drug-related crimes. It's just a, a complete snapshot of what's occurring at the police department. And how do we, uh, well, what has improved lately to make that available to the public itself? Um, part of it's knowing what the public wants and part of it is knowing what the public can have. Um, for instance, I recently had to tell it <clears throat> an online um, news source that I have a lot of respect for that we couldn't release details of an investigation that hasn't been adjudicated yet. Um, that would, um, that would affect the ability for the suspects to get a fair trial. And there's actually Wyoming case law against that. Um, but we also know what the public wants. They, they want to know what we're doing. They, they want to know that we're out doing our job. Um, so if you look at, especially our Facebook page, a lot of it switched from the, for lack of a better term, the, uh, hearts and minds type of stuff that we, we have been doing the facts. Here's what we do. Here's what's going on. I mean, the, the pictures of um, our canines are cute. They're cute dogs and they're great pictures. <laughs> right. and, and, and John and Zach are fantastic, but that addressed a party of the public, which is um, in, in the, the feedback we get from the public through um, anecdotal feedback and also formal surveys is that they are concerned about drug use the drugs in town. So yeah, the dogs are awesome, look great, but they're a tool that we got to meet um, a, a concern of the public. Um, sometimes I do put stuff up there just to, try to lighten the mood. Yeah. Um, but we want to be seeing our, our sources as sources for information for what they need to know as, as well. Um, it, it's kind of surprised me. We, <coughs> excuse me, we've had some 
um, investigations over the years that I've, I've been pretty surprised we haven't got any questions on, um, e even after we made the, the fact that stuff happened public. But we also weigh very heavily um, the impact of these investigations on victims. Yeah. Um, there's a need to know uh, versus want to know. And we will err on the side of victims and their families every time. Um, yeah. there, there, there's nothing um, constructed to be gained from releasing certain information. And on the flip side, the public's been fantastic. Some of the stuff that we do ask for is um, on our Facebook pages, request for information. And often it's a, a surveillance picture of someone allegedly committing a crime. Um, I would like to tell everyone we put the best pictures we have available on our Facebook page. Sometimes we, we can't enhance pictures at all. That's a, a TV thing. Um, but we deeply appreciate the, the feedback we, we do receive. I roughly estimate about 50% of the time we, we can identify someone at least. Wow, that's so actually it, pretty it good. Goes, it? And it goes back, it all leads back to the core concept of community-oriented policing, which is not being liked. It's about the police and the community working together to solve a crime and prevent crime. Chief, the information and the statistics that we put up on the webpage, are these the same ones that you sit with and help help you guide the direction of policing within the city? So if someone were to jump on there and get this information, really look at it, and then they see something change in a policy or, or the way that uh, the policing within the city's going, could they see some logic in in that yes but not in the short term that means i don't look at it month to month and make reactions based on month to month because that's not proper use of statistics you have to have a statistical valid time period in order for things to really show um more than just a uh, you know like a short-term spike like for instance if a few juveniles get together and go car what they call car hopping it spikes our thefts but that's not the actual what's going on in the community community wide so you can't, you got to kind of take, try to take those anomalies out of the equation. So you need to look at a, a, a three to five year oh, wow. statistical summary. It's act, and, and that's, that's what makes it statistically valid. But we do, we have that data from so far back. So we're continually, every time we have, you look at our, our statistics, it's got what's occurring in this period, what's occurred the year to date, and then what's, what's our three to five year or three year average. And so we look at look at it in that terms, like what's our three-year average doing? Because that's when we, if we need to, if we see a violent crimes going up over a three-year period, we need to, you know, and we try to obviously address it prior to that, but that's when you know, that's when you can see something that's not just a short-term trend, that's a long-term problem that needs to be addressed. So you got to look at it in a, in, a, in a bigger context. Absolutely. So, yeah, you're going to see some months where, and, and, and another point to that, that, that take homicide, for instance, you see a 200% spike in homicides in shared Wyoming seems very drastic, right? But that's going from zero to, to one or zero to two, right? So we have such a, a low number that in order we have to, we have to you know, get a larger statistical, um, um, like a base. Uh, yeah. Base to, in order to make those accurate assertions and, and, and to guide and it, it absolutely it guides staffing. It guides um, where we're allocating our resources. It guides what additional resources we may need in the form of tools or training. It, it, it's a guide for everything in the operations of the police department. So it's something we look at all the time, and 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 we have our weekly meetings that we we talk about these things as well. And that's that's kind of fascinating and interesting to know. If you sit down and you look at this spike in a certain activity. Uh, over the a course of a short period of time, it's probably one, maybe two individuals that are really causing that. It, it could also be one, maybe two officers. For instance, we had John yeah. Stallions in canine training all summer. He is extremely uh, uh, proactive. So, and, and Zach Conley is, as well. They're gone for August. And, yeah. Um, that, that's a, probably a couple hundred traffic stops missing from the from the uh, August and September, um, and a, a follow-up investigation as a result of that. Um, so we, we weigh that as well as how many officers did we actually have on the street. Right now we have, um, we have um, three openings um, for, for patrol officer, and the people we're hiring are getting more and more proactive as 
as um as would as our our um very uh someone's boutique hiring for lack of a better term we're looking for a very special type of person right which is why we have those openings in the first place um but as we get more and more of these fantastic people on board um then the numbers tend to go up but we also had um two of our corporals in training um for a, a, a week out of september which is still a busy year um so it's a big picture long cycle type thing like the chief said and it's really interesting that just having a few officers away can affect statistics yeah. that drastic well one officer 20 percent of the shift yeah when yeah. you're talking to a smaller shift exactly what the captain was saying that you take one out of the equation and and that the others are answering calls for service which means they can't be as proactive because they're picking up that so it's it's kind of that snowball effect and and <laughs> We have had very few occasions recently to have a full shift of five working at the same time. Um, we feel lucky if we have four, and, and oftentimes it's three. Mm -hmm. And so because of the staffing levels, and, and we did. We had to send a lot of people to a lot of mandatory training, so it did cause some. Uh, it, it'll, be a, it'll be one of those, um, when you talk about statistics, it'll be one of those times when there'll be an asterisk by it saying, hey, we're, our staffing levels are extremely low, right? right? And it's one of those uh, short-term loss, in a way, yeah. for a long-term well, game. Conversely, yeah. now that we have two dogs, brand-new dogs, yeah. on, both on patrol, um, we'll probably see a rise in uh, drug arrests and drug incidents. Yep. But that's not because more drugs are coming in. It's more, we've got more tools to find Address them. Absolutely. But people will see that spike yeah. of drug arrests and may believe... That we're getting an influx when yeah. the fact of the matter is it was always here, but now those dogs yeah. mm -hmm. are we're, reacting. We're the, the point to where there's an analogy of a ship sailing, we're making minor course corrections. Um, we're not zigzagging. It's mm -hmm. a degree or two. Is we, we're not ignoring new information, but we know what we need to react to, and more importantly, when to adjust, make an adjustment. And it, you can't make adjustments every week. You never get anything done. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be too much. Too much, too fast. Yes. All right. On that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll have more with our Sheridan Police Department right after this. So you're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the YMCA youth programs are receiving these funds per random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Remember when your mom used to say, someday you'll thank me for this? Well, if that day has come, then you need to treat your mom to a visit to the Health Nut for a delicious, nutritious, thank you mom fruit smoothie or something that shouts thanks from the soup, sandwich, and salad bar. Not to mention the aisle after aisle of health-given supplements that just scream thank you mom, even if it's 30 years late. The Health Nut, serving up smiles and a side of superfoods in Sheridan's 5th Street Mall. Hi, this is Christy Kingholm of Buffalo Royalty, and let's talk about 18 Jerome Place on over eight acres of land located close to town off of the TW Road in the Hilton Minor subdivision and a great view of the Bighorn Mountains and Red Hills. You can purchase the lot if you are planning to build your dream home. Seller is a prominent builder and can build your home for you. Seller has floor plans available to choose from along with the prices for building. Call me, Christy Kinghorn at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. The Met Live in HD opens its season at the Wyo Theater with American composer Jake Haggy's Dead Man Walking, a compelling masterpiece of the most widely performed new opera of the last 20 years. Dead Man Walking, a story based on Sister Helen Prejean's memoir about her fight for the soul of a condemned murderer, will take to the Wyo screen Saturday, November 4th at 10.55 a.m. Get your tickets today at the theater box office or online at wyotheater.com. Dress up your pet, take a photo, and enter it in the Petoween Photo Contest on SheridanMedia.com. 
Hi, this is Mandy Coltisco with Century 21 BHJ, and I am happy to be sponsoring the Petoween Photo Contest with Shipton's Big R. You can enter one time each day through November 2nd, so hurry and enter now. The winner, by most votes, will receive $200 in prizes. Petoween, presented by myself, Mandy Coltisco with Century 21 BHJ and Shipton's Big R. Enter now, sharedmedia.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, we're speaking with the Sheridan Police Department Chief, Travis Koltiska, and Captain Tom Ringley. We're speaking on the department's utilization of modern technology and techniques to keep the public informed and expanded on the PD's transparency. In the first part of the show, we spoke on a page that's actually found on the city's website, The department has also opened social media pages that have been in operation for a number of years. Uh, Now, Captain, which social media page do we really utilize or which platform do we we... only utilize Facebook? You guys don't have an Instagram or what do they call it? X or Twitter? We have the accounts because um, I quickly grabbed the handles for each account so nobody else could. So you could have the domain. Absolutely. And I didn't want somebody falsely posting as representation of the Sheridan Police Department when it wasn't really them. So if it's coming, if something does cross over, because, you know, Instagram and Facebook are linked, if something does cross to Instagram, it's because we we yeah. use Facebook. Yeah, and we use one source because we want to do one thing well. Yeah. Um, and also, we also want a single source so that people know exactly where to go um, to find us. And it's uh, Sheridan Wyoming, or Sheridan WI, Police and Fire. So we share with the fire department as well because they obviously have a ton of critical information that the uh, that the public needs to know and, and wants to know about as well as us. Um, it, it's, it's ran by the, under the um, city of Sheridan, um, and we have contract with a fantastic local company to do all the posts for us. I just, we just send them stuff, um, and it seems to be working really well. Now, what are the goals in maintaining this? Is it is it primarily just public information or... Like you said in the first part, Captain, you know, every once in a while, yeah, we'll throw something up there that's fun and lighthearted. It's kind of a jack-of-all-trades platform to me. I mean, we've used it for the, you know, the the fun stuff. We've used it to um, provide information to the community about new hires. Um, we, we Actually, we do that all the time now. We've used it to elicit uh, help from the community and identifying su- subjects and individuals it's really just kind of that informational package and plus it's a it's a platform for people to reach out to us if they don't if they don't feel comfortable doing it in other means we we get a lot of comments a lot i shouldn't say a lot of comments we get a few comments but we get a lot of messages on oh really like private messages and it's not monitored 24 7 and and that you know we want to refrain from letting people think that they can report crimes and such and get get an immediate response because it's not monitored 24 7 there's a couple of us that have them on our on our phones and if it is an emergency, we can, you know, if something were to happen, we could do it. But for the most part, it's a it's an eight to five response from from uh, from the police department to any inquiries on the Facebook page. And if you have an emergency or you need police, call dispatch or nine one one. That is the old standard, and that is the one that I think we will probably stick yeah, to for we, all time. We will respond, and we will, you know, if somebody messages us, we'll get back to you. But it it may be a little bit, if especially if it's on a weekend or. It may be a little bit and just want the community to know that. But Facebook has been a really good platform for us. The captain does a great job um, getting stuff up there, and, and he's kind of our, he's, he's our PIO, our public information officer for the department. So he's got the, the, all the, the – makes all the contact with our contractor to get everything put up there. And it's been a really good experience, and, and I think we get a really good response the, from our community. Our, and Lieutenant – probably end of August, early September, Lieutenant Keller developed mm-hmm. just a weekly – a template for just a weekly activity report. It's how many traffic stops, how many arrests, how many calls for service, how many DUIs, and how many accidents. So if someone just wants a yeah. general a general yeah. overview, yeah. this isn't yeah. going to be Very, super detailed. Every, every Monday or Tuesday, depending on how busy we are, we, we, Alpha Graphics uh, posts it for us, and it, it, it seems to be pretty popular. With it's people. a snapshot. Yep. Yeah, and yeah really quick good. snapshot. Hey, what are the what's the PD up to this yep. week? Let's check it out. Now... It, Captain, how, uh, when do you kind of decide, okay, I want to put this up on social media? I know we, we really try to celebrate promotions and new officers coming onto the team. Uh, it, and like you said, with the, the canine units now. Well, as, as your marketing people tell you, a lot of, about um, messaging is pacing. Um, 
we we're not going to oversaturate the, the page because we, we 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 put things up there that we think are important. And it's not my page; it's the department's. A lot of the stuff is sent to me from officers that they think is a good idea. Um, but I, we we just don't want a flood of pictures of officers eating donuts or whatever. Right. And um, <laughs> um, the the pacing is designed to uh, support the city party of uh, having a high quality of life in the community. And part of that quality of life is our community feeling secure that the police department's out doing their job. So like I said earlier, some of it may be lighthearted, but it's almost always us doing our job, earning promotions or requesting assistance to, to solve and prevent crime. And once again, I want people to understand the pictures that are put up there are the best ones that the PD has. The enhancing feature that you see on television is a Hollywood production. That does not really exist. Not, not for our purposes. It, the, the pictures we post, either the people are going to know them or they don't. Yeah. Um, but I, like I said, we, we would lo love to thank the community for all the help we have received um, from that avenue. Now, uh, officers are allowed to have their own personal social media sites, correct? Yes. yes. And, and are there restrictions to that when you join the force? Because I have friends that join certain activities in the military. And they had to get rid of yep. all of it. And it, it had to be dropped instantly. No, officers can absolutely have their own social media page. Um, but what people need to remember is no one's forcing anyone to work at the Sheridan Police Department. Um, basically, as long as you're not bringing discredit to the department or the city, or giving up, or misrepresenting, yes, the department misrepresenting. through your own personal opinions or views. Like if you have a uh, an opinion or a hypothetical opinion or view that doesn't is not representative of the values of the police department and, and you're posting on, on social media could be an issue, especially if you do it as a representation of the yeah. police department or you're misrepresenting yourself saying, this is my message it, from the I department. am an officer of the Google. law and yeah. this is what it, I it, think. Yeah. Look up cringe cops on social media. That's what we're trying to avoid. Um, it's We're not asking for sympathy we're not telling people how hard our life is because our lives are fantastic. Um, this post, like like I've said, I've got pictures of my dog basically for the yeah. the, the uh, litter litter mates owners and the, the breeder. That's about about all I'll ever put on Facebook, <laughs> and it's been a couple of years. But people are are officers and dispatchers and records technicians and evidence technicians can post whatever they want as long as it's not representing us in an official capacity or bringing discredit on us. Um, Posting in uniform is a pretty hard, fast rule. Yeah. Um, but there are some exceptions, like for a first day of school or trick or treating or, or, or something. But um, it, we're pretty liberal with it. But th there, there's a definite line where we, it goes back. To, we want the community to know that we take our position seriously. Yes. Yes. And show that we're human at the same time. So it's a balancing act, right? You know, you got to do both too. Um, and but yeah, th there are some, there are some definite no nos when it comes to posting on social media. And, and that's something we review um, we, when people come into our organization, when we're going through the background process, we review all their social media pages, looking for any kind of views or, or things that they're posting on there that do not follow the values of the police department or the city of Sheridan. And it, it, that's one thing that always kind of surprised me. Uh, you know, people put so much <laughs> up on their social media. Uh, we've talked about it here on the show a few times that, you know, there's been criminal activity linked to that, stalking, yep. things like mm -hmm. that. Holiday know? season's coming up, and we'll probably cover that in a week or two. And that was, show yes, yes, sir. That was a big one that I was actually yeah. going to bring up. You know, when people are on vacation, I can remember one of the tips. I, I can't remember which one of you gave it, but one of the tips, do not post your vacation photos until you get home. Yes. Because you don't want people to know, yeah. I'm not at the house. Yep. And, and I, it, that just kind of took me back because I kind of did the same thing. You know, hey, we're here visiting family. Check us out. But now uh, both my wife and I will hold off on posting those photos until we get back yeah, to the and house. It, it's a little different in a small town because even I like to think no one knows who I am out, out in public. Um, but I would not post pictures of me in uniform Yeah, in, at a, at a, at a, in a bigger community with, with family members. I would. Even that swearing ends, I, I don't release pictures of um, new officers and their um, their families. Yeah, um, that's up to them to release. So if they want to have a picture of themselves and their family on their Facebook page, that that's fine. But we're not going to 
release it. It's Make their, those it, identities public. Prerogative. Yeah. On the other hand, we do like the community seeing that our officers are family people. Yeah. And because that, once again, supports the values of our department and our community. Chief, Captain, I want to thank you both so much for coming in and speaking with me today. I'm so happy to hear that this weekend went so well. Uh, again, a great testament to the the servers and the entrepreneurs that are putting on these fantastic parties for people. Everyone's keeping it safe, and the community itself keeping their uh, their their you know DDs on the line and finding safe ways home. Thank yes. you. Thanks, Floyd. Yeah, thanks, Floyd. All right. When we return, we're going to speak with the Johnson County Commission Chair, Mr. Bill Novotny. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share it. Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the YMCA youth programs are receiving these funds per random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. DoorDash, and we're offering free delivery on your first order. Simply find Glazed and Confused on your DoorDash app, place an order, and let us cover your delivery charge. It's that simple. Everything from bagels, burritos, and biscuits and gravy, oh my! Texas kolaches, coffee, and lattes, or the freshest donuts in Sheridan. Getting Glazed and Confused has never been so easy. Located at 1935 Coffeen Avenue by Little Caesars. Uprising's Ball of the Wild is back and coming soon to the Sheridan County Fairgrounds Friday, November 3rd at 6 p.m. Don your best Western wear as you dance the night away to the soulful sound of Jesse Daniels. Tantalize your taste buds with wild game tasting stations created by Uptown Shabby Shack. We'll have games, activities, and a silent auction with a little something for everyone. The night will benefit our anti-human trafficking education efforts in Sheridan County and beyond. Come join us for an unforgettable one-of-a-kind evening. Tickets and more can be found at uprisingyo.org. If you're a Sheridan City resident, now's the time to sign up to receive critical emergency alerts from the city on your cell phone. Get information on severe weather, snow removal parking requirements, service outages, and more. The city's goal is for every city resident to sign up and receive these time-sensitive notifications, and now's the best time to do it. For more information and to sign up, scan the QR code in this week's Country Bounty or click the link on SheridanMedia.com. Christmas is right around the corner, so let Legacy Diamond and Gems help you create your own unique custom design jewelry. But don't procrastinate. The deadline's November 1st for guaranteed Christmas delivery. Their professional staff can help you create a piece of jewelry that leaves your loved ones speechless. Need ideas? See some of their fine jewelry online for inspiration at LegacyDiamondGems.com. Stop by their temporary location at 17 East Lauks between P.O. News and the Chocolate Tree. That's Legacy Diamond and Gems in downtown Sheridan. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by the Johnson County Commission Board Chair, Mr. Bill Novotny. Good morning, Commissioner Novotny. Hey, good morning, Floyd. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I had my my one trick-or-treater stop by the house last night. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is probably going to be our, our last year. Uh, a little heartbroken. But uh, you sent me a picture yesterday. I absolutely loved it. The Monster March in Buffalo. How did it all go? You know, it was just a fantastic event. Floyd, you had, we had 850 pieces of candy at the courthouse, and we had just a couple left uh, at, at the end. So I haven't heard total counts yet, but I'd say there had to be at least 800 kids from the Buffalo and surrounding communities there. Everybody just digs in to make that a, a wonderful uh, event. The Buffalo PD shuts down the Main Street area. The Chamber of Commerce kind of organizes it, and you have business people from all over the community, the senior center, the vet's home. Everybody comes to make sure that those kids have a wonderful 
safe experience, and it's just so great to see those smiling faces out there uh, getting a little candy. And hopefully it takes a little heartburn off of mom and dad of uh, having to maybe take the kids out again later that night and they choose to stay in. And I hate to say maybe that's why you only had one trick-or-treater. But I think <laughs> I think we had about 50 over uh, on, on the avenues where I'm at, and I think probably that was just because that's an easy area with a lot of houses close together and it's flat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, we live a little bit on the edge of town. Uh, it was something that I kind of accepted. I'm probably not going to get too many kids out there, but I've had that one faithful guy. He's been stopping by with his parents every year. And uh, so I think next year we're going to go ahead and we're going to find something, some way that uh, my poor wife can give out some candy because it's her favorite uh, holiday of the year. <laughs> and she gets a little, she's she's happy to see our one, one, our one kid, but uh, she's a little heartbroken. She's got a big old bowl of candy that, uh, well, I'm going to take care of when I get home um, over the course of the next week or so. Now, there, there are some uh, big things going on. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was sage-grouse. What's going on with sage-grouse, sir? Well, Floyd, there is a concerted effort of landowners in the Powder River Basin who are facing the potential of having a new core designation placed on their property. And so they are working collaboratively to put together a kind of a habitat-wide uh, effort to put a candidate conservation agreement with assurances in place and uh, basically nullify the core designation. And um, when this effort is completed, you're going to actually see more acres committed to helping protect sage-grouse than even was proposed. But the difference is that those landowners are the ones driving this decision, and it's not bureaucrats uh, or state and federal agencies. So uh, it, it's wonderful to see those folks uh, come together, help their neighbors out, come up with a plan. Uh, but it also is a little disheartening because essentially these guys are being forced to perform kind of defensive medicine so that they can protect their way of life and, and their operations. So um, I, I certainly didn't think that uh, we'd be dealing with sage grouse this year. The numbers by the game and fish counts are up. Uh, unfortunately, I think it is that Wyoming is doing such a great job uh, of uh, taking care of our wildlife, and you've got surrounding states that are not doing as good a job, which is causing the Biden administration and the BLM to consider a listing, which would have a devastating impact on us. You know, I've I've said it uh, my entire life, and maybe it's just part of my upbringing, but uh, I honestly believe that a, a landowner is probably the best individual to be making decisions about his or her land. Uh, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there that feel the exact same. If you happen to have a situation like the sage-grouse situation happening, uh, you don't need bureaucrats. You just need good landowners to come together and uh, make those decisions. Uh, we don't need a big brother or a big sister looking over our shoulder as we do it. Uh, another uh, situation that was going on over there in, in Johnson counties, uh, I'm not going to say specifically because this was affecting a lot of different people, but uh, this is pretty much what we were talking about on one of the episodes of Open Lines, and that's the Rocky Mountain Power price increase. Um, has there been... A, a result as of yet? Have we heard anything? We haven't, Floyd. And so if your listeners are out there and you are a Rocky Mountain customer, please take the time to comment to the Wyoming Public Service Commission uh, and, and share your concerns about what this unwarranted and unjustified rate increase is going to do to them. Uh, you know, no one can afford in this inflationary world to have their power bill go up 30%. And uh, let's all look out the window. I think we're off to a, a good, long winter, and you're going to have to heat your home. So uh, people are already dealing with higher gas prices, higher natural gas prices, certainly definitely up on groceries. Uh, so this rate increase could really be devastating to our families, our our seniors, really to everyone, and, and especially also, Floyd, 
look at all the industry around Buffalo and Sheridan. Most of those are pretty power intense. Those businesses cannot afford a 30% increase on that input cost. You know, if you're the guys at uh, mine, right, who are using welders and that uses a lot of electricity, uh, they they can't handle that. Uh, 30% is incredible, of, uh, yeah. Yeah, think of, of all the manufacturing that's sprung up around Sheridan. If their power increased by 30%, do you pass that on to your customers? Is there enough... Uh, margin that you can absorb that or does it mean that you can't give raises to your employees this year because you've got that additional cost it's those trickle down effects so uh it's a big deal so folks need to the decision hasn't been made yet they need to weigh in make their voices heard and uh, sir would you happen to have uh, uh, a way to get that done right offhand so i i think probably the easiest way is to go to the Wyoming Public Service Commission's webpage and and follow the prompts there. Uh, otherwise, I, I wish there was like a, a URL where I could say, Floyd, throw this up in the comment section. They're just not that set up for uh, this type of comments. And so it, whether it's going to the public hearings in person or sending them a letter, uh, those are really going to be the best ways to make your voice heard. Now, another uh, situation having to do with uh, some bureaucracy trying to, in my opinion, come in and, and perform a bit of a land grab. Uh, as the president of the Wyoming County Commissioners Association, you sent a letter to the director of the Bureau of Land Management, Tracy Stone Manning, over in Washington, D.C. Uh, I read this letter voicing the association's concerns and thoughts on the BLM environmental impact statement and resource management plan for a large parcel of land near Rock Springs. Can you give us just a brief summary of that situation? Absolutely. And so every so many years, the Bureau of Land Management is required to have a resource management plan for the lands they manage. They've been working on the Rock Springs RMP for over 12 years. Uh, This has been an incredibly long, drawn-out process. But during that process, there was a lot of public involvement, uh, and especially those county commissioners down there in the five counties that are impacted by this RMP, they all took part. They sat at the table, made comment, worked with BM, and what they really believed was a good-faith effort to get a resource management plan down there that made sure that we could continue to produce the trona. Uh, you know, we're the nation's largest producer of trona, and you need that for glass and, and other uh, critical things in our country. Other countries make it synthetically. We, we're able to mine it. Uh, you've got oil and gas production down there. You've got a lot of uh, big game herds, antelope and, and, and mule deer that migrate through that area. So people want to be able to hunt and fish and also uh, just recreate. It's a great area for folks that like to mountain bike, uh, to ride ATVs and motorcycles. And the alternatives that the BLM, and they they call them because they have to put forward five plans, and and the alternative uh, that they want is the most draconian thing that I've ever read, and it does not reflect any of the spirit of that 12 years of work between all of the stakeholders, uh, and it would have a devastating impact uh, on your ability to go out and ride your mountain bike on the BLM land or uh, Trona mines who make hundreds of millions of dollars investments in our state uh, and provide great jobs and a resource that is critical for our national security, uh, they they aren't going to be able to expand. So uh, it was incredibly short-sighted. Uh, we're very disappointed that um, that Tracy Stone Manning didn't withdraw uh, the plan as the governor had asked her. Uh, instead, they just lengthened the comment plan, and that goes now out till January. But at the end of the day, whether uh, it gets one more comment or not, it's just a bad plan, uh, and it needs to be withdrawn uh, and started over. Sir, does this RMP basically call or almost closing this area off, um, is it, what is it, 1.8 million acres uh, that they're trying to say are areas of critical environment concern, or critical environmental concern? 
Yes, and, and that's a, a, a new designation. Uh, you're not seeing it go through the NEPA process. Uh, certainly, we worked on the Wyoming Public Lands Initiative that would be a way that you could designate. And, and there are critical areas, whether it's Adobe Town or, or some of these other uh, incredible natural features out there that absolutely need to be protected from disturbance. But like uh, modern oil and gas today uh, is going to drill off of a pad and reach out miles and miles underground with directional drilling. Uh, so they're taking away opportunities that, that really uh, should allow it to progress. And this uh, ACEC, which is you got to love the alphabet soup, uh, these aren't appropriate and this isn't the appropriate way of doing it. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a land grab, it's a power grab. And the fear for all the commissioners across the state, Floyd, is that if they do this in this area, which area is next? Are they coming up to the Powder River Basin when it's time to redo our plan? And we've already, um, since I've been a commissioner, we've had three different lawsuits over uh, coal in that resource management plan. And you saw areas in Sheridan County get withdrawn forever for potential for coal lease, which probably maybe made sense, maybe it doesn't. But... uh, it's just very concerning to us that uh, our ability to have vibrant economies and the theory of multiple use of our public lands, which is in the core mission of the BLM, uh, isn't being met. Now, just so I understand this and that uh, I, I, I know my listeners understand it, the, the RMPs, because uh, you said there has to be five, that were put forth had draconian uh, type of uh, rules attached to them, almost essentially cutting off this 1.8 million acres of ACEC land, or or will be designated as such. Once uh, these plans were put forth, uh, I do know that the governor, uh, the Wyoming commissioners got together, pushed back on this, and as opposed to withdraw those plans... The BLM director has made the decision to do nothing more than extend the public comment period on those plans. That That's correct. She's moving forward with the process, even though uh, the, the people that were involved in the process uh, don't agree with how it's being finalized with this draft uh, resource management plan. And uh, it, it feels like the the... BLM in Washington, C.C. is the one driving this process, Floyd. It's not the local field managers on the ground here who actually work with the leaseholders and the landowners and the uh, sporting groups and the outdoor recreationists. It's being driven solely from Washington, D.C. And we know that those decisions that are made farthest away from where they're going to impact it usually are the worst type of decisions. Absolutely. And this, uh, to me, in my opinion, this feels like uh, a severe uh, federal overreach um, in, in, in black and white form right there on the paper. Now, for individuals who wish to make comment on this, uh, if this is going to be the only thing that we're allowed to do, uh, how do we do that, sir? Uh, through the, the BLM website, and it's, it's a federal comment process. Uh, this one is a little bit easier to find uh, and Floyd, I'll make sure that we get that URL to you so that you can get it up with uh, this and, and future stories because it is important that, uh, you know, even though you may live in northeast Wyoming, a lot of us love in the summertime to recreate all over the state or or maybe you're going to go down there and try to get an antelope. So uh, it, it impacts us at all because it's our public land it's all of ours and i've got uh, i've got friends down there that work in the trona fields i've got friends down there that are working in uh gas production and and drilling uh and all the ancillary businesses that are attached to those two major industries uh you know it feels like that the their voice has just been stolen and and so folks we're going to get that up for you. Uh, we've got it on the website attached to some other stories. Make sure that you get on there and make these comments. Sir, I don't have a lot of time left, but I did want to ask you if you're willing to speculate on the outcome of this situation. Well, I, but I want to be the eternal optimist. 
and that hopefully the more favorable of the alternatives is ultimately what gets selected. But what I really hope is that they just say this process was too flawed and let's hit the reset button, uh, start it over and, and come up with a draft that is really reflective of what's best for local economies, what's best for the environment, uh, and what's best for the BLM's charge of multiple use. Sir, if, if that doesn't happen, do we have the authority to go to court, yes or no? They, there will be serious litigation that I would assume would be led by the governor's office or the county commissioner's association along with those five counties that are impacted. Um, so, yes, uh, we're, we're not going to take this one lying down, Floyd. So uh, we're going to give them the opportunity to get it right, but we'll see what happens. Thank you so much, Mr. Commissioner. I greatly appreciate you catching us up on that. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Public Pulse. Make sure you get on there. Make your voice heard. 930 KROE, 103.9 FM, Sheridan. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the YMCA youth programs are receiving these funds per random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Dugard Construction is Sheridan's premier builder, not only for new construction, but also remodeled jobs of any size. Whether you are needing one room redone or the whole home, Dugard Construction can make your vision come true. Go to dugard.co, that's D-A-U-G-A-A-R-D.co today. Click on the projects link and check out some photos of their outstanding work. Get ready to go deep into the stuff of which snowy dreams are made with Warren Miller's All Time, 7 p.m. Saturday, November 11th at Sheridan's Y.O. Theater. Celebrate the birth of ski towns like Sun Valley and Aspen, icons and originators like the original Hot Doggers and the most outlandish locations ever skied. Then catch up with Maine's finest athlete of today, Donnie Pelletier, and meet the next generation at Woodward Park City. Get tickets today at yotheater.com. We all know that classic song that goes, I had a dream, there were clowns in my coffee, clowns in my coffee. Well, the same goes for those 4 fours and snowmobiles that are simply never going to run again. Ando Service Center wants to dismember those dead machines and part them out. And if you can't pry them up from the grass and willows that have them welded down to the ground, Ando's will come and make you an offer and haul it away before it just becomes part of the earth forever. Ando's Service Center, located on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. Join us tonight for Impact 307's Sheridan County Startup Challenge Pitch Night at 5.30 p.m. at the Wild Theater. Watch Sheridan County Entrepreneurial Finos pitch their business plans to a panel of judges as they compete for their share of up to $100,000 in seed funding. Help the rest of the audience choose their favor by casting your vote for the audience choice winner. We'll see you tonight, beginning at 5.30 at the Wild Theater. If you can't make it, watch the live stream on sharedamedia.com. McDonald's restaurants in Sharon have the opportunity you've been waiting for. They're looking for enthusiastic open and closer crew members starting at an impressive $17 per hour. At McDonald's, Larry Starrow and the crew are all about helping you reach your goals. Open and closer crew members are the heart and soul of McDonald's success. Ready to join the fun starting at $17 per hour? Go online to myhire.com or stop by any Sheridan McDonald's location to pick up an application. 103.9 FM is new. 